A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Welcome to Mental Health on the Farm. I'm Pam Yaki, a farm broadcaster in Wisconsin. This program is brought to you by Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience with the cooperation of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. We recognize that weather, economics, and now the pandemic have taken a tremendous toll on farmers and farm families all across the United States. This program is designed to continue the dialogue on resources that are available and how you can take that first step to finding help. Joining us today are panelists. Jason Meadows is a pharmacist and a cattle farmer from outside of St. Louis in St. James, Missouri. Lowell Neitzel is a farmer from the Lawrence, Kansas area. Adrian DeSutter is a farm wife from New Windsor, Illinois, who also holds a master's degree in counseling. And I'll start with Ted Matthews. Ted is a mental health practitioner from Minnesota. He's got over 30 years of experience counseling in rural areas and will kick off our conversation. So, Ted, in your 30 years of working with farmers in rural settings, what's the number one issue that you think people need to understand when it comes to relating to farmers, their stress, and the stigma of seeking assistance for mental health? Farmers do not trust psychologists, but they trust Ted. And I think one of the big things that that people that work with farmers need to understand is, you know, they're looking at, can you help me or can't you? And um, are you on the same page? And do you understand what farming is? I've had a lot of farmers say that they've, they've talked to psychologists in the past, and they spent half their time trying to get the the uh, psychologist up to speed to understand what farming is all about, and they're in there for their own issues, not to educate the, the psychologist. So, um, and that frustrated uh, several of the farmers that I've talked to that have tried working with other psychologists. So, uh, I think that's just a, a major factor. You know, we've got more resources out there now than maybe ever before, Ted. But you you do kind of take issue with just prescribing a toll-free number or a website as uh, the right way to channel people. Absolutely. In the first place, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of websites. We, have, we also have a lot of um, ways to deal with um, stresses and so on. There's hotlines uh, for suicide. There's local hotlines. There's state hotlines. There's national hotlines. And I would suggest to anyone that, if you want to find out what they do and what they say and, and how they direct people, call them and ask them. You don't have to lie and say that you're under stress. Just call them and say, okay, if, if I have somebody that, that needs to call a hotline, what do you do? How do you do it? Uh, what would you recommend? How, what directions can they go in? And so if that happens, then you have the opportunity to say to somebody that you, you're really seeing as stressed out that you know what they do. And, and if, you're, if you don't like what they said, then find another hotline. Minnesota is great, by the way. They, they have a really good hotline, but it took them a long time to really develop the system that they have. And, and it's not as easy as it sounds. So um, 
check them out, see what they're, see what they do and how they do it. And when it comes to therapists, just because they say they work with farmers doesn't mean they understand farming. And you need to understand farmers to do the best work that you can. So I would suggest to all, I mean, we definitely need more psychologists working with farmers, but they need to, to meet them halfway. They need to understand what, what farmers are all about and, and what their pr- specific issues are and so on. Why are farmers so unique, Ted? Ted Matthews along with us, a mental health practitioner from Minnesota. What is it about their DNA, their makeup, that makes it so challenging to assist them when it comes to mental health? Well, you know, when, when it comes to, when people talk about stress and anxiety and depression, the, the first thing I like to tell people is if it was as simple as identifying it, then why are there 100,000 books written on it? So when you look at stress, anxiety, depression, we're all unique. And every farmer has stress. It's just a matter of how they handle it. So when, when farmers, farm people in farm families feel stress, it's a matter of what are you going to do with it, not do you have it. And how much can you handle? Well, you don't want to find out at the end how much you can handle. You want to you want to accept the fact that it's stressful and start looking at what can I do to lower that stress right away because the more it builds, the, the higher the potential for it goes too far, and, and of course sometimes that ends up in suicide, and that's the last place we want it to go. Ted, let's address the stigma of even starting the conversation, of even going down that path. How do you get that conversation started when it comes to a farmer's mental health and taking the first step? Well, first thing I do is I tell them we're talking about mental health, not mental illness. And the focus needs to be on that understanding because the reason a lot of times farmers don't seek help until far too late is because they say, I'm not crazy. There's, you know, I can handle this. And it's like, so why wouldn't you want to lower your stress beforehand and and the reason is they think mental illness and they think they're not crazy so they don't do it they won't do it so that's the first thing i tell them is that we're talking about mental health and why wouldn't you want to be healthier everyone should want to be helped heck the happiest person alive why wouldn't their goal to be even happier why wouldn't you and so when it comes to stress if you have a low amount of stress why wouldn't you want even less so don't make it something that says there has to be something really wrong with me in order to deal with and to lower my stress and anxiety and depression. Um, All of us want to be heard, not told. So if I want to be heard and I'm talking to my spouse or my best friend or one of my kids, um, I want them to hear what I have to say. I don't want them to fix me. We want to be heard. We want to have people understand what we're feeling, and if they try to fix us, then that's going to totally detract from what my goal is. So I want to handle this. Uh, My wife and I will handle this, Ted. Uh, We'll talk about it uh, after chores, or uh, we'll have a cup of coffee and talk about it. There are some benefits and some real challenges if the only person you've got to talk to is the spouse or partner. Yeah, that can be really, really difficult because, for one, uh, spouses oftentimes work off the farm. And so, you know, they, they, 
women are probably the biggest change in farming over the last 5,000 years. In, in the last 25 years, just everything has changed as far as their role. Um, up until, you know, for, for hundreds, thousands of years, a woman's role was everything inside the home and to raise little farmers. That was their job. Well, now they do the books, they work off the farm, and they can, they can be the primary farmer. I mean, there, are, there just aren't very many things anymore that weigh more than 50 pounds on a farm. So because of that, they are far more involved in the farming, and a lot of women do the books. And if women do the books, they have an opinion. And oftentimes that opinion uh, can be different than their husbands. Like, uh, why do we have to get a John Deere? Why can't we get a used one? Why can't we wait until next year? All of those things are based on the numbers that they're looking at and they're trying to be helpful. But it's difficult because, you know, their parents or grandparents didn't do it that way. The, the husband did all of those things. So it makes it a lot more difficult. And ironically, now, Men need to communicate with their spouses more than they ever have in the past. And women are working off the farm, so they have far less time and they have far more need to communicate. So, you know, when you look at your priority list, the, one of the problems that a lot of farmers have is that old concept, which is, um, well, when everything is done and I get done with everything, then if I have time, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk to my wife or whoever. Um, that is not a good system. You need now more than ever to talk through things with your spouse because we're talking about time, you know, way more risk now. What, what, what a lot of non-farmers don't understand is that it's, it's probably the only occupation I can think of that when you're out, you're out. There is no ever getting back in. I don't care what you do. You're not going to get back in because land prices are so high that if you don't already have the land, how good luck. If you're not already a farmer and you, and you don't integrate that into your farm, good luck. I mean, imagine um, you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm 25 years old. And I want to be a farmer. 50 years ago, you could have done it. You could have done the things that you needed to do. Now it is not possible, which makes it far more stressful because how do you, how do you then, um, cope with losing the farm? You know, you lost the farm. And, you know, and if, if it's a third, fourth, fifth generation and you lost the farm, there is no family getting back into it. And whose fault is it? Even though you could prove on paper it's not your fault for losing the farm because everything in farming is educated guesses, you're still going to blame yourself. And that can be incredibly traumatic. And it also can mean that you hold on to the farm longer than you should simply because you just can't conceive of letting it go until somebody says, I own it now. So those are really difficult situations in farming that, you know, simply 50 years ago didn't exist. 
A complicated and complex scenario, that is for sure. Thank you, Ted. That's Ted Matthews, a mental health practitioner from Minnesota, over 30 years of experience counseling in rural areas, kicking us off on this conversation about mental health on the farm. I'm Pam Yankee. Remember, this program is brought to you by Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience, along with the cooperation of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. When we return, we'll hear the story of an Illinois farm woman who holds a master's degree in counseling, none of which seemed to really apply when it came to handling farm stress and mental health in their farming community. Stand by. That's next on the Mental Health on the Farm Commodity Classic Special. Commodity Classic is a unique experience created by farmers for farmers. Three days bursting with energy, excitement, and education. And it's where thousands of American farmers convene each year to recharge their batteries, challenge their brains, and discover what's next in agriculture. Every session, every speaker, every topic, every experience at Commodity Classic is selected by farmers for farmers. So you can be assured that investing a few days at Commodity Classic will pay big dividends when you get back home. You can't just go out to any old farm show and see the guys that you see on TV or see in the magazines. So the opportunities to see the guys or ladies that aren't readily available are here. There's just more exclusivity to the people that are going to be here. And I think that is something you wouldn't get at a regular farm show or a local show. The educational breakout sessions, the speakers that are brought in, they're the best of the best. They're the people we seek out in media and in ag, you know, news, uh, magazines, the TV shows, you know, even on Twitter. It's, it's the people we seek out on a regular basis as we improve our businesses and stay informed and Commodity Classic brings them all here. Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. There's really nothing else like it in all of agriculture. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Welcome back to Mental Health on the Farm. I'm Pam Yankee, a program brought to you by Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience with cooperation of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. We're focused in today on the challenges that farmers and farm families all across the United States face in trying to access mental health assistance and even getting that conversation started. Now, you might think that if you had a master's degree, say, in counseling, that handling the stress on a farm would come naturally. Well, let's travel to New Windsor, Illinois, and find out about that from Adrienne DeSutter. She does have a master's degree in counseling, and she is also a farmer's wife with no agricultural experience before you got married. Adrian, tell me how your counseling experience has played in in your farm family relationship today. It's so interesting because when people hear about that background, they sort of assume, you know, they must not have any stress. They may not must not have issues or at least know how to, to, to deal with them the best way. Um, and, you know, the thing is we've got a lot of techniques and, and we've got a lot of, um, you know, knowledge uh, but but stress doesn't discriminate. <laughs> Everybody has stress. Everybody has issues going on. And so uh, when I married my, my husband, when I joined kind of the farm family and saw some of the stresses that he was under, uh, not having come from a farm family, it was, it was uh, kind of a, an eye-opening experience. And I think sometimes when you're used to farming for your entire life, you don't realize just how much stress you're under because that's just the way it always is. You know, it just 
kind of the kind of how you've grown up and how you've been raised and how you work. And so, um, so yeah, we, we, my husband and I have uh, found a space here in the ag mental health realm, just sharing a little bit of our own story in that, you know, we recognized that, that there was stress going on and, and kind of brushed it off. Kind of, like I said, just said, well, this is the way it is because this is farm life. Um, and unfortunately we uh, lost a family friend of ours to suicide. And when that happened, it was the biggest, smack in the face to us to realize that, you know, this, this, that, that's too close to home. That's as, as close to home as it gets, you know, and we weren't, we didn't want it to move any further. And we know that stress builds and builds and builds. And if you don't do something about it, um, you know, it can lead to depression. It can lead to extreme anxiety um, and, and, you know, all the different symptoms um, that those mental health conditions have. So uh, anyway, so that was kind of our big, our big moment for us to say it's time for us to take advantage of the knowledge that we have in mental health, um, do a little bit more to be proactive, and then share that with other farm families because we know that we're not the only farm family going through stress. And we know that not everybody has the tools or the knowledge or, you know, even just the awareness to, to pay attention to this stuff. So that's kind of the, the, the path we've been on the last couple of years. No. You said uh, your husband and you full on in agriculture. How well received was that message to him? Was he ready to uh, take time away from chores, away from the to-do list to concentrate on that? Even coming from a counseling background, uh, it's still hard to to be vulnerable. It's still hard to tell people what's going on in your own life because you don't want to be labeled. That's part of the stigma of mental health is, oh, well, you know, they're that couple that suffers from depression or they're that couple that all they do is talk about stress. And the thing is, is, is we're more than that in our home. And we know that. <laughs> we know we're more than just our stress or our, our mental health. Uh, and, and we need as an industry people to continue recognizing that so that these we can become more open in sharing our truths. Because when we do that, we fuel that connection. Uh, every time I give any type of presentation or webinar or have a conversation, it just sparks more and more stories of people saying, yes, this is me, or, you know, I needed to hear this today. This gives me so much hope. And um, so that's, that's kind of why we do it, even, even though it is uncomfortable sharing those truths, sharing those journeys and those, those ups and the downs is something that really uh, makes a, a huge difference in farm families um, across the country. You're listening to Adrienne DeSouter. She's a farm wife and a former high school counselor with a master's degree in counseling. They're farming in New Windsor, Illinois. All right, Adrienne, how do we get these conversations started? We have to understand that sometimes the people that we're targeting with our help might be a little resistant to the message. Absolutely. And I will tell you what, that is a question that I get all the time. How do I help a resistant farmer? How do I help someone who doesn't want to be helped? And there are several ways to do that, but I will just say the most important thing to me, I know, and, and, and speaking from experience, because my husband, <laughs> he's about as resistant as they come. <laughs> so, um, you know, having those conversations regularly and checking in regularly without being naggy, this isn't, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to tell you what needs to be done, but this is, I care about you. Um, I don't understand what you're going through, but I want to be here to help you through it. Um, the more you can make sure and check in with people and help them understand that you are a safe place for them when they are ready to seek some type of help, even if it's just a conversation, um, you know, you're a person that 
that it's okay to do that with. So I think the, that that's the biggest take-home message is we don't give up. We never give up. We don't have to be a nag about things, but we make sure that people understand um, that we want to listen and we want to help create solutions with them. In your opinion, Adrian, I think that sometimes uh, there's the assumption. Well, I'll just I'll just think more positive thoughts. I'll uh, I'll talk my way or think my way or express my way out of this kind of thing. What's your thought on on trying to just think positively and fixing yourself that way? You know, I have a love hate relationship with the term "think positively" <laughs> because um, just like you're saying it, the word "just." It implies that's all I have to do, you know. I just have to think positively. It's easy, right? When someone's feeling feeling down, we, we say to them, oh, just look on the bright side. And that is about the most minimizing statement you could ever say to someone who is struggling because it's saying, you know, all you have to do is this simple tool. Well, you know, people have tried that. <laughs> people with depression especially or people under under extreme stress, you know, they try to, to look on the bright side sometimes, and it's just not that easy. Um, so I think we have to be careful that we don't just try to act like this stress shouldn't be there or this negative thing shouldn't be there. You should just think about it on the positive side. Um, it, what we need to do instead is say, this stinks, and I'm sorry you're going through this, and I can see where this would be difficult for you. And when you're ready to create solutions, let's talk about them. And then we can talk about the idea that, yes, there, there, there is good in your life. Even if these things are bad, there is some good there, too. But we really have to make sure that that type of conversation comes when someone is ready to seek those types of, of solutions and those um, you know, changes in perception. So this is a message that, that sometimes seems very gloom and doom. When talking about stress, we're talking about heavy stuff. Um, and the thing is, there's a lot of hope that comes along with this. You know, th- this has been a tough few years recently, um, but that the, the good part of it is that it has allowed us to have these conversations and, and, again, seek some solutions and help people understand how to better communicate with people that are stressed out. So um, I definitely think that, yes, it's, it's a tough thing to talk about, but, but the good thing is that we're making progress and the good thing is that each of us can find some hope in our lives and, and, and know that this can get better. Just start the conversation. Thank you, Adrian. Adrian DeSutter. She's a farm wife herself in New Windsor, Illinois, and a former high school counselor with a master's degree in counseling, trying to make her way through these challenging conversations. I'm Pam Yonke. You're listening to Mental Health on the Farm, a special program brought to you by Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused, agricultural and educational experience with the cooperation of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. Coming up, a farmer that took that first step and now is sharing his story about his mental health challenges with others. We'll be right back. It doesn't matter what you grow, how much you grow, or where you grow it. Commodity Classic is the place to connect with the innovation, information, and insight you need to manage your operation profitably in times of challenge and change. This is my third time in the Commodity Classic. It is just such an exciting place. If you're in agriculture and you come down here and you don't get excited, you shouldn't be in agriculture. That's my opinion. Every year I come home, I take something away. 
and every year I come home and I'm excited. I can't wait for spring to get here now. The things you see here, it's all the newest, latest, greatest. Somebody here is going to take care of you no matter what size farm you are. I say a regional farm show is like a high school championship football game. It's very cool. Everybody's excited. This is a Super Bowl. Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused, educational, and agricultural experience. There's really nothing else like it in all of agriculture. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. Welcome back to Mental Health on the Farm. I'm Pam Yonke. This is a conversation that addresses the stress, be it weather, economics, or the pandemic, that farmers and farm families across the United States are experiencing, and the challenge to find resources to help with their mental health issues, and the courage to take that first step. It's brought to you courtesy of Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience with the cooperation of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. I do want to remind you, if you want to hear more on the subject of mental health on the farm and rural communities, be sure to register for the 2021 special edition of Commodity Classic being presented digitally March 2nd through the 5th at commodityclassic.com. Lowell Neitzel is a young farmer in the Lawrence, Kansas area. He recognized that the stressors in agriculture were causing him not only physical challenges, but mental health challenges as well. But trying to take that first step and find some help was not easy. Lowell Neitzel tells me he began the process, thanks in part, to his strong wife. Luckily, you know, I have a strong wife, and she told me, you know, things weren't you weren't quite acting like yourself, what's going on. And so I kind of told her, um, you know, I had a, a primary, uh, doctor visit with for my physical for an annual deal and went in there and kind of told him how I was feeling. And he said, let's, let's get you some help. And he gave me a list of people to talk to. And he's like, you know, it's not a cure all, but you know, just start at the top and work your way to the bottom and we'll find you a fit. And, um, lo and behold, I found a, a gal that was willing to take me on as a patient and, uh, had, had some really good conversations with her. You know, we, she wasn't from a farm or a rural background, which I felt like was going to be kind of a hindrance in my situation. Cause I don't, didn't feel like she understood the dynamics of what I was dealing with on a day to day basis. But at the same time, it was, it was kind of refreshing because she gave me different ways to go about getting myself some help mm-hmm. and making myself kind of relaxed and see, seeing the big picture, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just, I mean, I helped her understand the dynamics of my farm, and she helped me understand the dynamics of how to get to feeling better. Yeah, it's not just a one and done. Uh, do you continue to have conversations with the therapist? Tell me about the baby steps that you started taking right away, Lowell. Yeah, so I got to where I thought, I've got this under control. I, I can handle this. And um, 2018 happened, and we had some really crazy weather and delayed planting, and, and harvest was kind of crazy, and prices were all over the board. And It was one of those things where I've, I've really struggled with keeping these little things that I know I can't control, but in my head it says, oh yeah, you can control the weather, you can control the prices, and in reality, we all know we can't. 
but so I, I reached out to another therapist and, uh, he's, you know, he suggested that I, I try some medication. Um, long story short, I've been on medication for almost a year now and it, it has really taken kind of the edge off of me having to worry about those things. It's just kind of allowed me to let those little things go. I don't get so worked up if, if my goals for the day don't get met or if weather plays a big factor or just little stuff that I know I can't control, I can just let roll off my back. And at the end of the day, I know I had nothing to, to do with the, how things went. It just... Just let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, but just so people understand, it's not just the medication. You you do things every day to try to make sure that you're kind of checking your mental health and, and uh, staying on a good path, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've I kind of just kind of take a step back and look at the big picture for the day and take make sure I take time with my kids every day and understand what what their needs are for the day i I really try my best to to see how my wife's doing every day and um, if there's something that she needs from me uh, i try to put my family first then my job and the farm Um, sometimes that don't always happen but for the most part um, that really kind of keeps me grounded and uh, if i need a minute i i take on my be in the barn or I might be in my pickup pulling up to the farm. But as soon as I get stopped, you know, I I take a few minutes and do a little self meditation or just, or just, you know, the simple things of just when I get home at night and I need to relax before I go to the house, I just usually my dog's outside and I just sit on the porch with him and just kind of pet him and look at the world go by. Just, just kind of let the the whole day's drama just kind of float away and, even though my wife is part of the farm, I try to keep farm at farm and home at home. Um, sometimes the, the, you can't always do that, but for the most part, I try to keep try to keep them separate, and that seems to help the dynamic of our our family work well. Lowell Neitzel's along with us from just outside of Lawrence, Kansas. He's a young farmer that recognized uh, he needed a little extra help when it came to his mental health. He reached out for that help through counseling as well as medication and has become, well, kind of an influencer in your community. Huh, Lowell? Tell me a little bit about you sharing your story and what it's done for others. Oh, absolutely. You know, I after an article came out in the paper about uh, my story a little bit and it was amazing how many people reached out to me and told me that you know I've been struggling and I had some landlords that I saw in passing and they told me that they couldn't um, you know that they were proud of the steps I've taken because they they had struggled when they were in my position too you know as farmers we're, we're supposed to be these tough guys and and we just run hard all the time and and nothing can take us down but you know we have so much so much worry and so much uh stuff on the plate that sometimes it just can't handle it all at once and it it was refreshing to have uh some people say that you know the people i look to in my community is as role models and leaders to say hey i've been in your position too and then it was um really eye-opening and uh nice to hear that uh uh, they'd been in my situation too, and I wasn't alone. 
Well, and you don't you don't necessarily wait for people to reach out to you. You're pretty astute now. Has this all taught you how to kind of watch for signs with some of your other friends and neighbors, family members, Lowell, and, you know, kind of start the conversation for them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the gentleman I've made friends with here in the last couple of years, uh, I call him a couple times a month and just check on him, and each kind of calls and checks on me, too. And it was one of the deals that I saw him, saw a post that he posted on Facebook, and uh, it just made me think that that's just not typical him. And so I better reach out and see what's going on. And so I did. And this was kind of before we really talked a whole lot. And I said, here's my number. Give me a call when you're done chilling or whatever. And, you know, we talked for probably two to three hours. And I didn't know that uh, by the time I got done talking that I'd feel just as good as he did, I think. And uh, we've been really good friends ever since. And uh, I've reached out to some of my other people on some – or had some other people from – boards that I've been a part of reach out to me and we've, you know, have told me their story and how they're struggling and, and stuff like that. And I've actually been able to kind of help them understand, you know, some of the dynamics that I've learned. And it's, uh, it's re- really rewarding to, to be able to help people and, and, and maybe give them the nudge that they need to go seek help. Um, because I, the last thing I wanted to do is read about another farmer, uh, unfortunately taking his life or, or her life and, or taking the you know lives of uh, family members because just something happens bad. Oh, absolutely. Lowell Neitzel, a young farmer from outside Lawrence, Kansas, along with us sharing his story on how he recognized he needed help. He took that first step and now he's actually become uh, inspiration for a lot of other farmers and family members that we're looking for that guidance, that courage. This is Mental Health on the Farm, brought to you by Commodity Classic. I'm Pam Yankee. When we return, a young farmer that shared his story, and it's turned into a social media connection to help others, regardless of where they're farming. His story, coming up when we continue. Outstanding educational sessions, a huge trade show, presentations from agricultural leaders and innovators, and the chance to network with fellow farmers from across the nation and around the world. Great people who share your passion for agriculture and your thirst for knowledge. That's Commodity Classic. I think there's a lot more progressive thinking here and a lot of farmers thinking for the future and what changes might be coming down the road and what changes farmers kind of need to be thinking about now to prepare for those. There's a lot of planning for the future, which is really incredible to see. This is a good opportunity to just surround yourself with those people that are kind of at the next level and to kind of get encouragement and to push you to keep doing what's best for your farm to keep it thriving. I guarantee if you come here, you will make your farm more profitable the upcoming year. It's well worth it and you will bring something back home with you. Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. There's really nothing else like it in all of agriculture. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. Welcome back to Mental Health on the Farm. I'm Pam Yankee. This is a special presentation focused in on dialogue about the stress that our farm families and farmers have been facing across the United States and uh, the resources that are available out there to try to assist with their mental health if they can just take a step. I'm Pam Yankee, and this is brought to you courtesy of Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience, along with the cooperation of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. 
Let's continue and talk with another young farmer from just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, that battled uh, quite a few different challenges when it came to mental health. He's a pharmacist and also a cattle farmer that has found inspiration in sharing his story on his path to mental wellness with others, not just in his community, but in light of the pandemic, finding a worldwide audience through social media that listens regularly to his ag podcast. Jason Meadows joins us now. Jason, share with me the story on your mental health challenges and how you started creating resources that others are now turning to. I struggled with my mental health when I left for college. I, you know, I was born and raised in in out about 80, 85 miles southwest of St. Louis on my family's cow calf operation, and I left. I left it to go to St. Louis College of Pharmacy back in the fall of 2002, and I just wasn't prepared for the life that it was going to be transitioning from small farming community to the big city. And I, I, I wasn't ready for myself to like be in a such a different dynamic. Um, you know, I was a small town, small high school. Things were easy for me, and then I. I got to high, I got to pharmacy school and things were no longer easy for me. Um, you know, I didn't have sports to fall back on. I didn't have my same old friends to fall back on. And man, I really got into a mental struggle. Um, that mental struggle culminated with me kind of using alcohol to to um, prop myself up a bit and use it as a band aid for a while. Um, but you know, I got better eventually. I got better and better a little bit, little bit by little bit. And, um, I graduated pharmacy school, um, and took a job right back here at home, close to home anyway, about 20 miles down the road at a hospital. And I, obviously I still, um, I still farmed. I still had my cattle. Um, I bought up my own herd of livestock when I was in college. So being in agriculture was a huge part of what I was doing. And it's, I still, you know, I still had the stresses, though. I still had them. And, you know, when I started trying to expand my my operation, uh, it led to some stress and anxiety, uh, you know, the rise and fall, the cattle market back in the, uh, about 2014, 2015, that really, uh, you know, was a stress on me. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I changed my mindset around some things. I changed the way I interacted with my family, and I understood what come, came first, and that was myself and my family. And when I changed that dynamic about me, I was totally, totally, uh, I was a changed man. And I wanted to give back to people. I knew there were people who had to have been struggling similar to me in rural America, in agriculture, uh, because the stresses I faced were, I mean, I, I know for a fact were faced by other people. So I wanted to combine my love for agriculture with my passion and um, professional work in healthcare into a project, into something that could combine both worlds. And that's where the podcast came, uh, Ag State of Mind, where uh, we focus on mental health and agriculture. And uh, we say it's a three-pronged approach, both my professional life and my agricultural life, and also my own struggles with it and my own unique perspective as someone who has uh, seen the worst parts of their mental health and been able to get them better. And um, you know, so I feel like I have a really unique perspective. 
Absolutely. Jason Meadows is along with us, a pharmacist and also a cattle farmer from just outside of St. Louis in St. James, Missouri. Jason, share with me your perspective on the demographics we have in agriculture today and why that kind of complicates getting these mental health conversations started. Well, for so long, we've been taught the opposite, right? We've been people. We've been conditioned to believe that we are not to talk about these things because it somehow makes us weak, and that's not that's not the case at all. We've been taught to be independent, and being independent is absolutely a wonderful thing and a necessary thing when you're involved in agriculture. Um, but it doesn't really lend itself to outside help very well. And so I think that when you're dealing with a, with a demographic and a population who is of a ge- different generation, a lot of us, I mean, uh, I haven't looked recently, but the last time I checked, the average age of a farmer in America is somewhere in around 68. Um, that, that probably, and uh, sadly, I think that's actually probably on the rise. Um, so, I mean, we're dealing with a different generation. We're dealing with a, a demographic that is just tough and stubborn. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any other ways to put it. And, um, you know, so that's a huge barrier to uh, getting things out in the open. So how do you try to reach those folks that are stubborn? So I think meet them where they are, right? My friend Nathan Brown shared with me on, on an episode of the podcast. He had a buddy who, um, he needed some help loading some hogs at his place. And, you know, Nathan recognized that that was kind of out of the ordinary for him to reach out and and ask for help like that. So, you know, he went ahead and went over and helped him and turned out loading hogs wasn't that big of a deal. But he had other things on his mind. He wanted to talk about other stuff. He wanted to talk about the stresses he was having with his with his farm, his family and his finances and you know, he just needed a he needed somebody. He needed somebody right then. And the lesson that can be learned from that is, you know, always look for those opportunities. You know, there's going to be little windows of opportunity like that where where people and uh, guys especially, I mean, I, I talk about guys because that's what I am and that's who I understand. Um, they are going to give you those little windows every once in a while. And, you know, you've got to be on top of it and you've got to be paying attention to those times because they may be asking more than for help loading some homes. It may be go way, way deeper than that. And we do want to try to help people, Jason. Jason Meadows, again, along with us, cattle farmer from outside of St. Louis. So there's been a conversation about positive talk, self-talk. Tell me a little bit about this. Well, you know, it's, and I'm, I'll be the first to admit, it sounds a little goofy, right? Like it or not, we all have some sort of internal dialogue. We all talk to ourselves somehow, especially when we're out in the field. You know, gosh, I, I was just thinking back how many, how many hours by myself I've spent in tractor cab mowing hay. And so obviously there's a, there's going to be some internal dialogue that goes on. There's going to be some times where you're getting in your head and you're starting to think about things. And uh, if you're not careful, you can really put yourself to a a really dark place. And so being positive with how you treat yourself and being able to give yourself, you know, be your, be your own best cheerleader, being your own person that tells you how great you are. Um, and, you know, maybe not, maybe giving yourself a little bit of grace from time to time. Uh, you know, man, that goes a long way. So I'm just kind of curious, Jason, again, you're working as trying to influence and talk with as many farmers as you can and sometimes getting your arms around, uh, you know, 
that self-worth can be challenging. Tell them how you try to remind farmers that they take care of other assets and that their mental health is an asset. Oh, this is my this is one of my favorite things, and uh, you know someone else who's on this panel, Adrian the Sutter, she's the first person that really got me to think about this in a certain way. And uh, when you think about your tractor, your livestock, your barns, everything, grain bins, everything, everything requires maintenance, right? You know, you got to change the oil in your tractor, you vaccinate your cattle, you treat your cattle when they're sick. You know, there's just so many things that you do as maintenance on your other assets. But the most important asset to any farm operation is the human element. It are the humans who work on that farm, whether it be the owner or the employees or the family members. They need maintenance, too. They need things that they need to be taking care of themselves, too. And, you know, being able to practice that self-care, uh, you know, and again, self-care sounds like a really uh, weird word or a really weird thing to say, but it can look so many different ways. And the great thing about that self-care is it's an individualized thing. It's something that we can totally customize and tailor to our own needs. And, you know, something that works for somebody else may not work for you. And, you know, when I, I when people hear self-care, it's, they hear, they, I think they think about sitting in a bath, a bubble bath, listening to soft rock or whatever. But, uh, you know, I mean, that may work for somebody, but, you know, some things it's, uh, for me, self-care is about, I go out and I exercise. Um, I go out, I ride around in my side-by-side, I check cows. Um, I take my wife out to a dinner once a week. Little things like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything, like, extravagant. Um, it just needs to be some things you just need to, man, just, like you said, take take care of yourself. Do maintenance on yourself because you are you are the greatest asset to, to your operation because the, the operation doesn't run without you. Jason Meadow, a farmer outside of St. Louis who addressed his own personal mental health challenges and has channeled that energy towards his podcast, Ag State of Mind. Some closing thoughts in a moment. The education at Commodity Classic is simply unmatched in all of agriculture. This is for learning. This is an opportunity to to meet with people that you don't get to see on a daily basis. There's a lot of really big, important people who know a lot. And um, I think that's something that that you don't get on a daily basis, and, and that's that's awesome. I came here to learn, so if you're going to learn, you got to be out here. You just got to listen and, and apply it. I'm not a real smart guy, but I'm smart enough to know if I want to grow 300 bushel corn, I go talk to the guy that's growing 500 bushel corn. Hey, you got to get off the farm once in a while, you know, get away from your farm and socialize with other farmers from across the country, talk to the representatives of all the companies that are here that support the show. It's high energy. (laughs) It is high energy here. Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. There's really nothing else like it in all of agriculture. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Thank you for joining us for this special presentation, Mental Health on the Farm, brought to you by Commodity Classic. Thank you so much to our great panelists for sharing their stories and their insights. Jason Meadows, farmer from Missouri. Lowell Neitzel, farmer from Kansas. Adrian DeSuter, farm wife and counselor from Illinois. And Ted Matthews, a mental health practitioner from Minnesota. Once again, thank you so much to our panelists for their inspiring stories. On behalf of Commodity Classic and the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, I'm Pam Yonke saying thanks for listening. 
And please stay healthy physically, emotionally, and mentally.